0: If there's one thing horse people love to talk about, it's bits. Dressage riders love to talk about how horses are on the bit, above the bit, behind the bit, overbitted, incorrectly bitted, need a new bit or a different bit. Bits, bits, bits. So here's the thing. Discussion of bits is worthy of the hype because they play an important part in training. And there are also so many different options. Kinds, sizes, functions different materials, and even new technology. And then, of course, the same is true for bridles. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Paulson, and in this episode of the Dressage Today podcast, my co-host, Jennifer Malachi, sits down for a chat with Stephanie Brown Beamer, who is a bit and bridal fit expert. She gives us the scoop on some of the most common bits we see in the dressage world, some advantages and disadvantages of different materials, Misconceptions about fit and bridle fit, and more. For example, dressage riders know to appreciate a foamy mouth on a horse, but did you know there's actually such thing as over salivating? As it can actually hinder the horse's breathing. Stay tuned for more in this episode of the Dressage Today podcast.
1: Hey there, I'm Jennifer Malachi and I'm Lindsay Paulson. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage-related. Our conversations span the world of dressage, from leading riders to local-level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, horse care tips, and stories to inspire your own dressage journey. Tune in, then tack up. Good morning, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us today. can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you
2: got started, and how you got started in the Bitfitting? Sure. So I am a trainer, bronze, silver, gold medalist with USDF, <laughs> um, now a graduate. I lived in Utah for over 20 years and had a large training business out there. Would spend my winters in California and uh, the American Sport Horse. And then about six years ago, I moved back east, gave up my business, came back east to be near family again with my husband, and um, uh, was trying to start another business on Long Island out in the Hamptons, and moved back with two horses, and it was a little slow going. It's definitely hunter-jumper world not the dressage mecca that I thought maybe it could be. (laughs) Um, and I met someone who uh, was the distributor for a bit company for North America. And, uh, my first winter down in Wellington, I worked for her part-time just trying to give the company a little more exposure in the hunter jumper world since I'd been exposed to that pretty well (laughs) at that point. And, um, So I did that for the winter and was headed back up north and went to participate in a clinic with someone that I'd ridden with for many years in Pennsylvania and um, was sitting at a dinner party. And I just told the trainers uh, that owned this barn that I had my bit bag in my trailer. If anybody wanted to play with bits, they are welcome to go grab whatever they wanted. And they said, well, why don't you come back and do a bit clinic? And I looked at them, they looked at me and I said, well, what would that look like? And they said, well, we don't know. Let's make it up. (laughs) And so I went back and we did a bit clinic and it was, it was really cool and it was super fun. And the differences in the horses was pretty astounding. So we set it up kind of like a dressage clinic because that's all we knew. And, uh, they pretty much just, uh, invited professionals from the area and, which really was brilliant because they gave really good feedback while they were trying bits. And I kind of came up with my own system of how we try bits. And because I am a trainer, I do know what I'm looking at and how the horse could go. So I always, um, take a look at how the horse is currently going and what they're set up. And, um, then we just start trying bits and it's really, it's really fun and it makes a huge difference for the horses. And, um, you know, I, I kind of have the philosophy that I'm only going to train so many horses in my lifetime. And this is the way I can make a difference for more of them. And then the people are super happy too, (laughs) because the horses, you know, become more uphill and more expressive and can sit better. And so it's, it's super rewarding and I get to meet some incredible people around the country. So yeah, the long story short is that It was an accident (laughs) and now it's a passion. Like there's not enough information out there for me. Like I just travel wherever I think there might be some information for me to glean and, uh, went over to the UK two year, uh, two falls ago and did the first ever bit fitting and bridal fitting certification course through Lantra. And, um, it was a really, really cool experience and I have a really great network of other bit fitters and bridle fitters in the UK. And we consult with each other all the time. And so it's really nice to have that camaraderie in such a new industry. And, uh, yeah. seems like it's a real passion
1: for you. Um, and that, you know, the wellness of the horse is at the center of it all. And that's really, really exciting. Can you briefly review some of the most common bits we see in dressage and their purposes?
2: Sure. Um, So the most common bit that we see is the double-jointed loose ring. Um, But within that, there's a variety of different mouthpieces on the market now. And, um, you know, we're starting to see, just through more research and knowledge, we're starting to see you know, more people using egg butts based on what the horse needs. You know, it's not just that every horse in the barn needs to go in this particular double jointed loose ring that we're now starting to see people look at individual horses and what their needs are, which really makes me pretty happy, you know, cause that's what's best for the horse. Not every horse is the same as we all know as trainers. Um, yeah, the training pyramid and our philosophy that way is the same, but they're not all the same confirmationally and emotionally, mentally, they're, they're just all over the map. Right. So we can't address each one exactly the same. So we're starting to see people addressing, you know, whether it's a a loose ring or an egg, butt. you know, in dressage, we don't tend to see as many full cheeks. We start our youngsters in full cheeks. Um, but for the most part, for the lower levels, it's loose rings and, and egg butts, maybe occasionally a D ring. Um, but then when we go to our doubles, you know, typically your berdune is going to be similar <clears throat> or the same as your snaffle. Um, but then finding the right curb is a very individual thing as well. Um, Whether you want a port or a straight bar, a lot of horses like straight bars, you know, and there's now a variety of them on the market where there's different angles for different purposes. Um, And just because, uh, you know, there's a a definition or a description of what each individual curb is for, there's the horses don't read those. (laughs) So we really do need to try them out, you know, and there's a a few bit banks around the country that where you can rent bits, which is a really nice option for people to be able to compare and contrast and um, see what's best for their individual horse. I mean, before I started doing this, I tried to put, my current horse and my last Grand Prix horses, same setup. Mind you, there was like a hand difference in size, no relation in breeding, (laughs) different breeds. And I just thought, well, this new horse, he just doesn't like the double. I just hadn't found the right one. And with what I know now, it's, you know, uh, yeah, there's no two horses that are the same.
1: And there's also different a lot of different metals, or not a lot of different metals, but different metals as
2: well. It, can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. So, you know, we have we have um, titanium or aluminum. They tend to be quite light, which can create a lot of movement in the mouth. Um, titanium's quite hard, so it's not very forgiving. It's inevitable that the bit will touch the teeth, maybe even hit the teeth. You know, we're not perfect. They're... Balance isn't always perfect, unfortunately. Um, And we move separate from them. So the bit will hit them in the teeth from time to time. And and some metals are just softer than others. Some alloys, you know, there's there's different compounds on the market, whether it's stainless steel or Salox gold, those tend to be a little bit softer. So they're a little more forgiving. Um, We also have you know, rubber bits or plastic bits and, and they tend to work for a while, but then horses tend to hang on them after that. Um, and you do have to be careful with them because they can bite through them with a rubber bit. Um, you do have to keep an eye on them because they can bite through them and there's a wire core. So you have to be quite careful and observant. You know, we don't use them typically in dressage, but in the, jumper world they'll use they can use leather uh rolled bits uh wrapped bits rather and um they have to stay keep uh keep them moist and take certain precautions there too so you you know just do your research and look into the metals that you're using some bits have a little more copper in them which makes them a little softer um salivate a little bit more but um yeah just do your research Read up on the different metals.
1: What are some signs that someone might need to reevaluate the bit they are using?
2: Well, often when I get called in to, to do a bit fitting, it's usually for a reason. Um, and some common things are, you know, if the horse is gaping its mouth, horses don't open their mouth just because. There's usually a reason, and it's usually discomfort. And that's just a matter of finding the right bit doesn't always need to be a problem in the horse. It's just maybe not the right fit for them. Um, they can, there's such a thing as over salivating, which can hinder breathing. Um, you want the horse's mouth to be moist, but, you know, we've all seen those horses that are just dripping. Well, sometimes that's an overstimulation of the salivary gland. Um, uh, let's see, some other things, you know cuts in the corners of the mouth. Um, I think the biggest one is just the mouth gaping, the mouth open. And oftentimes when you see the mouth open, that you don't see the tongue. They've retracted the tongue. And what they'll do is they'll retract it to kind of protect themselves and stabilize that bit. Um, and we don't want to see that. We want to see their mouth relax. We want to see their tongue down. Um, uh, another thing is uh, tongues coming out of the mouth. And that can also be, just be simply not the right bit, you know, that we really need to evaluate those situations, and they're usually pretty easy to fix. Hey, friends! The show will be back in just a
0: few moments, but first, I want to tell you about something cool from Dressage Today. If you're an average Dressage rider like me, you've only got a certain amount of time you spend in the arena each week, and it hardly ever seems to be enough. You know the struggle. Maybe you take weekly lessons, or you read books and articles, well, you obviously listen to this podcast, and maybe you travel to clinics to soak up whatever you can. But if you're looking to take a deep dive into dressage training without ever leaving your couch, you need to check out Dressage Today On Demand. Learn from top experts in the sport of dressage with Dressage Today's complete video on demand training resource. Whether you're looking to better your basics or you're polishing Grand Prix movements, Dressage Today's 3,000-plus training videos can help you reach those goals. Visit ondemand.dressagetoday.com to score a free trial.
1: For a rider who is working out of their barn at home and they don't have immediate access to a professional, can you go over some of the most obvious points of bridal fit?
2: So bridal fit, I think... I mean, we all have bridles in our tack rooms that we've had for years and and we've not thought much about how comfortable or uncomfortable. I know I was guilty of that as well. And um, I think the easiest things to think about or the, maybe not the easiest, but the things to consider is make sure that that crown piece, for me, this is the biggest one. It's an easy fix. Make sure that that crown piece sits behind the ears. And it's not pressing on the back of the ears. You know, as a trainer, I want the horse's body to be as healthy as possible and as happy as possible. And if that TMJ joint isn't working properly because there's pressure on the back of the ears, then it hinders the rest of the body. And that's an easy fix. You want to make sure that, you know, the, the, the bridle that you purchase has buckles on both sides. So they build the muscle in their head symmetrically. Um, And if you need to change a part on your bridle, you can just change out a crown piece with one that fits. I think the other thing is brow bands. I I often see brow bands. They're way too small. And that's another thing that will pull the crown piece against the back of the ears. Nose bands, the cheek pieces of the nose bands need to sit behind the cheekbone, not on top. Another thing that will pull the crown piece against the back of the ears I think those for me are the most major pieces. Um you know, just have it appropriately tightened, not too tight, but also not floppy. You know, we can also be very distracting to the horse when the noseband is too loose or the flash is too loose. Um but when we're when we tighten it down, I think that really does make it. A negative impact on the horse. They can't move their shoulders. They, if they can't move their tongue, they can't move their shoulders or their withers. And then it just works its way back in the body. So I think those are the major points for me. What are
1: some common misconceptions about bidding and bridle fit as well?
2: I think one of the major misconceptions is that you need a special noseband to relieve pressure on the nerves. And I think if your noseband fits appropriately and it's not too tight, I think you're not going to hinder those nerves. That's just my opinion. Another misconception is that if a horse is 17 hands, that they must also have a bigger mouth. And in today's world, the way that we've been breeding our warm bloods especially, They can be 17 hands and wear a five inch bit and have a super thick tongue, a low palate, fleshy cheeks, and just no room in their mouth for anything larger than a 12 millimeter in diameter bit because there's just no room, you know, and then it gets tricky when we put them in a double bridle because we want that curb to be smaller and it needs to be because their head's refined and it's, I mean, they're adorable but they're 17 hands. So I think people think that just because a horse is big, that they must be bigger in the mouth. And it's not true, especially right now with the way that we've been breeding.
1: That's a really good point and something that
2: I'm sure a lot of people do think. Yeah. Thank you. Another misconception I think is that the curb needs to be bigger than people think it does. And, you know, from the corners of the mouth to the front of the muzzle, the the horse's bottom jaw starts to angle in quite shortly, short, and what we are sharply. (laughs) Um, And I think that what happens is that when we have these more modern warm bloods with these little heads, they have quite short smiles. So where the curb is going to sit below that burdun on the tongue is quite small. So it's not uncommon to see a four and a half, four and three quarters curb on a larger horse. There is a lot of new technology on,
1: um, on the market for bits and bridles and tack in general. Um, But we also participate in a sport that is based on tradition. What are some of the benefits of new technology and perhaps some of the downfalls?
2: I think when we think of new technology, I'm, I'm very grateful to be a part of dressage because I think the majority of us are of the mindset that in order to create partnership with our horses, we do have to set them up for the most amount of success that we can. So in my opinion, dressage riders tend to be pretty open-minded that way, Um, unlike some other disciplines where it it really is tradition and it needs to look a certain way, where in dressage, yes, I mean – Just in the past 10 years, you know, we're now wearing different color coats (laughs) and different color boots. And, you know, nobody thought that would happen. Um, And we can have a little more self expression than we could 15, 20 years ago. But I think when it comes to some of the new technology, you know, for the most part, companies are out there to improve the way horses go. There are always going to be gimmicks you know, but I, I think it's important that people do their research, you know, bit and bridal fitting is a pretty new area of interest and research, and there's not a ton of research out there. There's a few companies, there's very few bit companies that are actually doing any scientific research. So you really want to look into who they are. Um, and, and, you know, they're trying to produce mouthpieces based on the trends in horses and what we see and to make them more comfortable so that they're more willing to do their jobs and create partnerships with us. And we can set them up for success. With bridal fit and bridles right now, there's a lot on the market. And Very little of it has any research behind it, that there's a lot of, you know, buzzwords, anatomical, which is important, but there's no no qualification for that anatomical word to be used in, in the bridles. So you really want to make sure that you're looking at, you know, your particular horse trying different things on, trying different crown pieces on for your particular horse. Not every anatomical crown piece is going to fit my horse, you know, and, but it might fit yours. So you really do need to try things out and look. Um, and, you know, with the internet, it's so easy to purchase something and return it nowadays, as long as, you know, you haven't used it. You can try it on, but you haven't used it. Um, and there's there's only one as far as I know, one company, bridal company that's done any published research. And, you know, even then, it's not perfect for every single horse. You know, it's not, you just really have to try it on the horse and and see how it is. There's no... There's no manual to these guys, <laughs> you know, they, they don't fit into a mold, unfortunately. Otherwise we'd all be going to the Olympics. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Can you share a memorable story about some of your bit fitting experiences that might be of interest to our listeners?
2: Absolutely. But you only want one. <laughs> you can <get> this one. <laughs> uh, it's not uncommon. Ugh, it's not uncommon for me to get choked up when I'm doing bit clinics because I get to experience some pretty cool things, you know, when people, okay. So I had this one woman in California a few years ago who came to a bit clinic with her 26 year old quarter horse and she was getting ready to do her century ride. And I mean, right there, I was just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And so we did the bit fitting and we found an appropriate bit for the horse. And I mean, she came up in her shoulders and she came through her back and she had this little tiny lengthening and, and she came to me after her, her fitting. And she said, I just want you to know that that's the softest my mare has ever felt. Oh my gosh. Tears. (laughs) Um, but for me, even the way I tried one of these bits once, and it's when I was like, whoa, I need to look into this a little bit more because there's something legitimate here. Uh, a friend had loaned me a bit and I was riding a hunter pony and fixing her late behind change. She'd been ridden in draw reins a lot. Wasn't through the back, super bold pony, gorgeous large hunter. And I mean, she was cool. She is really cool. And, uh, just couldn't get that change clean. And so this friend loaned it to me and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a good trainer. Everything I ride is in a double jointed loose ring, you know, thicker, softer, thinners harsher. Well, it's what I knew. And so I, I was like, okay, fine. I'll just put it on. And I put it on trotted off, the mare came up in her shoulders, threw her back to the contact, and the change was clean. I was like, oh, I think I better look into this a little more. There's something here. You know, that's pretty cool. And I, I've had i the amount of cool experiences. I mean, when people get reinvigorated about their horse that they once saw this potential, and that's why they got the horse. And it's just kind of delved into this like daily grind of getting him off the forehand and getting him more active behind. And we just find the appropriate bit and he comes up in the shoulders, is softer, lighter. And to see people's excitement when that happens, ah, what more could you want, you know? And being able to help some really, really talented horses, there's a horse that I've done, and it's probably one of the more difficult horses that I've done, he's an international horse and one of our more talented horses here in the US, and he had a tongue issue in the double. Tiny, tiny little mouth with really thick lips, fleshy cheeks, super thick tongue, low palate, but tiny mouth. And so we're really limited for curbs with this horse and, and very powerful horse to boot. So he, and thin skin, (laughs) that was, that was the kicker, super thin skin. And he, um, he would stick his tongue out the side of his mouth, take his bottom lip on one side, hang it, uh, wrap it around the bottom of the shank. And it's just like, he didn't know what to do with his tongue. So we actually, it was a process of really finding the, uh, curb bit and it was too big for him, but it had a port. So we had to train him, give him some place to put that tongue for a couple weeks to, so he could get trained on, this is where you put your tongue in the double (laughs) and, then he could go back into a more typical, I think he goes in a, a straight bar and now, but just learning where to put that tongue, you know, and it was a, it was a, I was rewarding. That was pretty cool, but super, super challenging horse. And, um, I like the challenges. It's nice to be able to, to fix those situations where people have really struggled for a while and just, it's halted the progress and the training and the frustration comes in for the the rider, and I feel for them. I've been in that situation, and it's tough because you know the potential of the horse, and but there's this piece that's really hindering going forward and what's possible for, for themselves as a rider and for the horse. So those are just a few.
1: <laughs> I imagine it's very rewarding to work with people and to see those changes, and I think that this is really cool that we're getting to talk to you because I think there's, you know, so many people that wouldn't think that a bit could make that big of a difference. You know, I mean, it makes sense when you talk about it, but, you know, understanding that bit fitting is so important, I think is, is pretty cool that we're getting to share that message. Um, if people, if a writer is interested in working with a bit or bridal expert to really fine tune the fit, for their horse. What is the best way for them to go about finding a qualified professional to help them?
2: That's a good question. You know, it's such a new industry. And when I started doing it, no one was doing bit clinics around the country. I kind of started doing that here. And, you know, I went over to the UK in 2018 and got certified. And now there's a few other people here in the US that are certified. Um, but here in the U S there's nowhere really that you can look and go, oh yeah, there's the list, but you, you know, yeah, it's, that's a tough question because it's so new, but you know, whoever you find, just make sure that they have qualifications behind them and training because it's important, you know, that, that they know the newest research and they understand what what needs to get done and how to do it and, you know, to, I guess, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no, there's no real, there's no website you can go to and go, oh, there's the certified bit and bridal fitters, <laughs> you know, um, word of mouth. Uh, you can probably go on Lantra's website in the UK. You're going to get a list of a lot of <laughs> out of the country certified fitters but the people that have done it here in the US I'm sure will be on that list um I, I just think it's important to work with somebody that is certified um it's uh you I think through this all the one thing that I've learned is that I don't have all the answers you know, nobody has all the answers. I mean, being a dressage trainer, you know, you don't have all the answers <laughs> Um, and you have to be open. But, you know, even I know the purpose of the bits that I will try with horses, but everything, every time I start to see a trend and I'm like, oh, this horse in my mind thinking, oh, this horse is probably going to go in X and Y or something like that, man, that horse humbles me really fast. (laughs) So I've learned to just, you know, work the process and to take each horse as an individual and, um, yeah, just be open-minded. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us and giving us this great information. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to educate people and to, uh, just share this information i think it's of value and uh, i'm excited for the future
0: so now that you've listened to stephanie brown beamer discuss bits and bridles get ready to watch her demonstrate some of what she shared in this podcast on video her series is coming soon to dressage today on demand she'll be showing you how to evaluate your horse's bit and bridle fit she'll detail different bits and how they function and more Learn more about Stephanie on her website, horsebyhorse.com, or send an email to info at horsebyhorse.com. You can also find Stephanie and Horse by Horse on Facebook. And it's impossible to have a real discussion about dressage tack and equipment without discussing saddle fit. Check out our last podcast with Jochen Schleser on saddle fit. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. You can learn more from Dressage Today and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com. Or you can visit our new training video site, Dressage Today On Demand. To learn more, visit ondemand.dressagetoday.com. And for daily dressage training tips and advice, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Happy riding! This podcast was produced by Jennifer Malachi and Lindsay Paulson. And it's also hosted by Jennifer Malachi and Lindsay Paulson. If you're still listening, don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends about our podcast. If you have feedback or you'd like to be a guest on our show, shoot us an email at Today at aimmedia.com. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Active Interest Media and the Equine Network.